0: If there is any space in business more misunderstood than PR and marketing, then I have yet to find them. In fact, if one is going to sell those choppy waters, then our next guest, Nicola Millington, is the person you need as your guide. Nicola is the founder of FPComs, a creative marketing and communication company based in the UK. Using their slogan, Marketing with Love, Nicola and her team use their passion, creativity and inspiration to drive every client's goal, idea or vision to completion. If you want to know more about Nicola and how she can help your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello, Nicola, and welcome to The Cash Flow Show in association with PRMS Limited.
1: Thank you for welcoming me, Clayton. That intro means that actually I don't have a lot of work to do.
0: Oh, no, you've got plenty of work to do. <laughs> I'm just warming warming, warming the audience up. I'm just warming the cash flow crew up for so that they know what they're going to get and, and and what to expect from you. But um, I'm sure you've got a lot of insight to tell us. So, Nicola, again, welcome to The Cash Flow Show what I'd like to you to do in your own words, not in mine, tell us who you are and a little bit about your business.
1: Well, um, my name is Nicola Millington and um, I don't want to define myself basically by my job, but I'm definitely a person that's passionate about equity, equality and finding my space in the world to be able to um, create a better space within, if you want, the capitalistic world to help build and um, grow successful businesses that look at the well-being, the mental space um, and profitability for businesses for our children and our children's children. I've been working in public relations for over 20 years. I started in the film space and um, in 2007 just before 2007 i started up fp comms i had a pr agency before and then from there i've been running in my own business for over 12 years
0: wow okay so you've had quite a journey but even your original introduction when you describe yourself that's quite it's quite deep and don't get me wrong i i'm the the master of being mr deep and deep and meaningful i think that it shows you that you're business isn't just about creating a business and making a profit. It seems to be more about actually making a difference. Would that be right?
1: That actually, absolutely is. Um, To give the listener context of why I started my business, I think everyone starts their business with a mission and a goal. But mine actually started because I was um, working in the PR PR for a, a film company post-production film company and I actually was in a church one day praying and um, I was just thinking about the press releases and stuff like that I had to do for people and I was just like this is not right this cannot be the correct way to live to be (laughs) like in a place where you're supposed to be you know spiritually or at least aligned and a bit calmer and you're thinking about work and then it led me to think about the world within which we're leaving, leaving for our children, the working world within which we're leaving for our children. And that was the driving force of how can I put my stamp to make a change in that world. So I started out my business effectively to leave it to my children. There was no guarantee they'd want it. There is still no guarantee that they will, but it was <laughs> that, it was to leave it. That's, <laughs> leave children, it for, that's
0: children for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly
1: leave it for my children but also when I realized the power of what I do with public relations I knew that actually I was a conduit for being able to help visibility of businesses that are doing good work but may not have massive budgets or visibilities of businesses that are doing great work um, but just don't understand how to keep the momentum of their marketing and public relations alive even during difficult times and I instinctively know that as a holistic um Skill, if you want, and I was willing to to say, Okay, I need to step into this space. And so, over time, it went from the kind of like, This is my skill to understanding the deep meaning of what I did and how it can really help build businesses for 100 years and more. Because that's kind of like my goal businesses for 100 years.
0: Excellent. And I think, to be honest with you, most people don't necessarily think about businesses uh, in a hundred years or more. And the problem is a lot of the businesses that we go to or used to be on the high street, you know, the John Lewis's, the Marks and Spencer's, a lot of these businesses were a hundred years or more. They were, you know, two or three generations deep, you know, with that commitment. So I actually think that you're absolutely right to build something that can change and that can evolve and that can be a legacy for you know for for your family and for the people around you and also for your community
1: absolutely absolutely and I did listen to a previous episode of yours when um, where you were speaking about um, when pa- our past generations, because I'm from Guyanese heritage and for past generations. So we've always been in business, but it's understanding how you hand it down through generations It's a skill in its own right. Um, and so, yeah, it's important that we look at. Um, and understand the assets we have and use that to keep building business. And PR plays a vital part in that communication across the board.
0: Indeed, indeed. So you mentioned previously that you were working in film. Yeah. Was it in a, a, a production house, a film house? How did that work for you?
1: Um, so initially, when I left university, I wanted to go into film production. But it was a conflict because I, I just thought the film world was quite seedy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, very much like the music world, it can be quite seedy, to be honest with you. There are people who are genuine artists and artisans and auteurs. But as I said, just like the music industry, there's some well dodgy people.
1: <laughs> well, I think across them all, but I just couldn't see the wood from the trees when it came to my space in the film world. But I ended up working in a post-production house in London Soho. Um, on Wardour Street. And I I started out as a runner. Um, That's right at the very beginning. That's someone that goes and fetches teas and coffees for everyone. And then I ended up in the marketing department um, because the director of marketing left. And so the marketing, one of the marketing assistants' managers became the director and they asked me if I would join their team just because of the skills I demonstrated of organisation, communication, all that kind of stuff and that's how I ended up in the marketing department and I just grew from there and I became um, the UK um, marketing and PR um, director manager for um, an account called a business called Ascent Media Group which basically had offices in Singapore LA New York and the UK
0: right so You are working in Wardour Street, kind of Soho, which to be honest with you, the reason why you probably did find it a bit seedy, it was a a pretty seedy area to be totally (laughs) honest with you. It's gone all very gentrified now and all very hipsterish, but it used to be pretty dodgy. Pretty dodgy for, you know, for people who are listening outside of London or the UK. Um, You know, Soho is different in the... UK. It was completely different from Soho in in the um, New, York, New um, York Tribeca area. Yeah. It, 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 I think that's what it's called. Um, so anybody from New York, I've got it completely wrong. <laughs> Write in. Um, uh, I'd send an email or something so I know that I'm a complete <laughs> idiot. But other than that. It, it, it was a different situation where Soho in, in New York was kind of very hipsterish and whatever. Our Soho at the time was um, not a place you want to, it was a bit like Times Square in in, in New York in the seventies. You know, it was a bit yeah. rough to say the least. Yeah. So I can understand why you felt like that. So you're, you're, you're doing this, you're a runner, you're, you're working your way up, you're, you're making progress. At which point did the light bulb come on and you decide, hmm, Maybe I should be doing something for myself.
1: So that, we're very layered as individuals, right? So that, the the light bulb was actually from childhood, from when I was a very much, a a very young child, like five or six, I think. I decided I was going to work for myself. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I was going to be my own boss. So that was always in me. And actually what happened is when we turned when i turned eight my parents moved back to guyana and um one of the things my mum and dad did was start a business so my grandmother had a house and they built a nightclub underneath the house it's a quite decent sized house and I loved the buzz of the business. Just loved it. So in the nighttime, the weekends, it used to be a nightclub, and in the daytime, it used to be like a grocery store. And I was held responsible as a child to, and this is aging me. So I was <laughs> responsible as a child, to measure out kerosene oil, weigh coal, calculate from your head all the groceries that people want, from Milo, to the rice, the sugar, everything like that and then get them delivered to the customers take their orders for Christmas and I just loved it absolutely loved it that solidified my kind of like instinct that I was going to run my own business and then when I came back to the UK it was always something I was going to do I just didn't know what it was or um how I was going to start I just knew I was going to do that so it was an instinct
0: for me that's interesting because most of the people who come onto the cash flow show are people that fall into business. I'm one of those people. I fell into business out of necessity. And the same way, I didn't have a parent that was a business owner per se. So I didn't have that as a direction. I always knew I wanted to be my own boss because I just felt that a lot of the people that I worked with. I felt that I had better ideas than they did. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I also wanted to be in a position to to know what I was going to do. Was it going to be something that was going to be relatively successful? Is it something that would have sustainability, et cetera, et cetera? But your direction seemed to be very, very interesting because as I said, having your parents instill that into you and the rest- and you had some serious responsibility there at, at young age. <laughs> That's some serious Because I'm sure if those people hadn't got their Milo, there would have been problems.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. But it felt like fun. It felt like playing, to be totally honest with you. It felt, and I'm a gift giver as well. So there was something about actually putting everything together and then giving it to them in a bag that felt really satisfying. So that was a seed that was planted from very, very young. Very young. Well,
0: that's interesting because I, I look at that and I see that, you know, it seems like playing. And that's the problem, I think, with business. Sometimes when we're involved in business, especially long term, we forget that it should be fun. It starts to then to become a chore. It starts to become, it starts to become a routine. Yeah. And as you said, what, when you were doing what you were doing, it didn't feel like business because it was fun. And that's something that I think a lot of us as business owners need to come to terms with. So that's very interesting how you come to that conclusion. So you then start FPCOMS, what's that like? How are you feeling at that particular point in your life?
1: So um, to to take a step back even more, before I started FPCOMS, I actually had, um, I started a marketing agency, kind of like a, yeah, a marketing agency with a film director called John Jamponsa, it was called Kind of Blue Media. OK, because as I mentioned, I was working already in the film, um, in the marketing team for the film, the post-production company. And how we met myself and George met was he was a, he is a film director and he was putting on. Um, he was showcased by Kodak um, to be one of, like the directors to look out for in the future. And what happened was my company was responsible for putting on the event where we hosted all these new directors that were coming through. And George was one of the only directors that ever phoned or emailed at the time. I can't remember which one, but he contacted me to say thank you. And that really impressed me. And so I reached out to him and I said, oh, let's go for drinks and coffee. And we did. And we just hit it off. And that led us then to start up this like little mini production company slash marketing company slash PR agency. So we ran that for a few years and then we went our separate ways and that taught me a lot, a lot. And then I restarted my PR agency with a strong ethical focus thereafter in 2007-ish, around that time. Um, so I kind of like rebranded and started with a very clear focus on the PR element of what um, I was going to do and then never looked back from there. The cash flow Show, coming to you from the City of London. Real people, real business, real talk.
0: Nicola, you touched on a point that I found interesting, you used the word ethical in terms of when you decided to set up your business. Now, did you ever find people asking you how you could be ethical doing the business that you were doing?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh God, I thought it
0: was only me. Because when, <laughs> for years, I, I, we used to have the term ethical debt recovery. And every single idiot would come up to me and basically say to me, "Ooh, how can you be ethical and be debt recovery? I don't understand. And, oh, <laughs> God, it used to annoy me. So I'm glad you, I'm, uh, Ooh, it used to get me. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not letting my emotions go. Get away I must <laughs> no worries, Clayton. <laughs> no worries. It used to make me so angry, and I'm glad I'm not the only person. It, what, how did you get the context of it?
1: So you mentioned in the intro that my tagline was marketing with love. And one thing I wanted to really put into the space of what um, FBCom stood for and what my intention was, was to create a space where actually at the heart of everything we did, humans were at the centre of it. The human experience was at the centre of it. So when I was playing around with that tagline, I I was playing around with marketing with passion, marketing with, you know, It's like all these other things, but love just kept coming up because it's such a, a strong word at the time. Now we know everyone in 2022 is like, love this, love that. But at the time, it was not a term that was used at all. And it even felt uncomfortable. But I stood in that space of really believing that actually with love, with care, with compassion, with consideration, that I can make a difference in this space. Now with ethics, I think the thing that happens is people think ethics is perfection and ethics is not about perfection. Ethics is about just putting your best foot forward with the consciousness of human humanity at the center of it. So everything I do, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to do the best I can with consideration of the people that I'm serving or who are serving me or who's serving the greater good. Either way, that is ethics for me. It's like authenticity in some ways. It's not always about being loud or being, you know, assertive. It's just being from your centre of your soul, of who you are as a person and delivering from that place, whatever it may be. Some of the most horrible people are very authentic, to be totally honest, because they live in that space. But it's the truth of who you become, if you want.
0: I think that being ethical... Embodies the same points that you make. I, I felt that as a business, being ethical is being true to yourself, being true to your vision, and being true to other people that what you're delivering is that you have standards. Yeah. That you, for example, you know that you are not going to take on a PR client that you know has dodgy values or, or, or values that don't represent the brand of FP comms.
1: Yeah, and absolutely.
0: And that's me, to me, is part of being ethical. And that's why I find that quite interesting when people ask, what does it mean? And I'm thinking if you have to, if somebody like Innocent Smoothies says, you know, we're ethical, people believe them. Mm -hmm. But why are they just selling juice? And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with what they're doing. You know, innocence movies, it's fine. You can send me a load here. I'll be happy to drink them for you. Um, but <laughs> i got to do the influencer thing. i got to try. i got to try. It's rough. It. it's rough out there. It's rough out there. <laughs> I love it. So you have to be careful with the words that you use. And you said the word love. Love is very, very powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got the theory that you only need six words to survive that's my this is my theory in life you need six words to survive please thank you and i love you
1: love it
0: that's all you need to survive
1: i love the please
0: yeah 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 you might get a slap if you go to the wrong type of person or you make the the wrong advance but you have to read the room yeah
1: i love the please yeah
0: please thank you and i love you those are the six words you need if an alien came down tomorrow i'd say those are the six words you need to survive
1: yeah I love Just them. step
0: back, Jen, when you say I love you, you 'cause it could get out of hand. <laughs> people people have it once you start doing that you people have expectations. But and, and so therefore <laughs> you have to manage people's expectations.
1: Absolutely. So, I think the first thing to say is, um, in regards to the ethical stance done as well, uh, I'll talk about our clients as well, is that, uh, and specifically about my sector, the public relations, is that the perception of public relations in itself needs (laughs) PR. Oh, yeah, because...
0: we're going to talk about that. I've got some questions for you on that. <laughs> okay,
1: okay. So, so that is a, a very strong um, indication of actually why people find the word ethics and PR very confusing. But we're going to cover that, so that's actually fine. In regards to my types of clients, I've had to learn my clientele. and I heard again on a previous episode of yours talking about avatars, the type of people that you work with. And uh, my staff are constantly saying to me, Nicola, you lead with your heart, you lead with your heart. But I've learned (laughs) to my cost, very expensive cost, that when I don't pay attention to my intuition, into my knowledge that I've developed over 20 years, into like just being still sometimes and paying attention to the, the, the language people are using, I pick the wrong types of clients. So my types of clients are the following. They are people that actually have a concern for people at the heart of everything they do, everything they do. So they could be pharmaceutical, they could be builders, construction, they can be accountants, they can be food and drink, they could be skincare, whatever it may be. At the heart of everything they do, they always speak people centric rather than I, I don't, I want to do this, I want to do that. They have that kind of viewpoint. And those people I seem to work with really well and the company seems to work with really well. The other types of people that we work with really, really well are very, and this might sound like a contradiction term, but here, here we say this, people that are really aggressive for success, like really like they will work tirelessly to ensure that they achieve. The reason why that's important for us as an agency is that when we are dealing with the press and dealing with people that wanna raise their profile, the response rate and the time and dedication we need for people to give us the information we need is very rapid. And people that are school about the space and think that PR is very easy to do, they don't respond to the speed that we need them to. So people that don't have that drive and passion we find very challenging as an agency to work with so we need people that are quite success driven focused, and long-term driven with human elements the human factor at the center of what they do and then the third thing we we like to work with are people that actually that have a very much um, a long-term view in regards to their business whether they want to franchise whether they want to hands down from generation you see the language they use are things like um preparation for um building trust legacy a building um you hear them use things like um Franchising, they'll think things like talk about asset management and building in infrastructure for it to be um, used other third parties to help them to build you hear those kind of language and you you recognize I recognize as a business owner that actually those kind of people we work really well with because they're not thinking just about the little corner shop they're thinking wider afield and we like that kind of energy in our in our company um, and they're very malleable as well so even though they have the bottom line, which is financial bottom line, important to them. They also look at success of their staff welfare. They look at success as well pay paid staff as well, um, flexible working. All those things incorporate in their success metrics. We like working with companies like that.
0: You mentioned earlier about following your heart, mm. and I think that is a very underrated superpower in business. I think your heart or your gut instinct or what your sixth sense, whatever you want to call it, there in most people's businesses are a catalogue of cases or assignments or jobs or clients that we've taken on and we've said to ourselves, if only I had sat down and trusted my gut instinct <laughs> trusted my heart, I would never have had that situation. Do you find that the longer that you've been in business, it's almost instant you can suss out a problem client.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you you have a track record, you have experiences that give you clues along the way. Um, and if you get the opportunity to stand still for a minute or to pay attention, um, you're able to um, ascertain that and feel that very, very quickly. But what I'd also say about the heart um, element of thinking and and, and driving your business forward it does not take away at all and um, uh, love is also another word that people get confused of being soft or not being um, able to to measure things in very um, analytical ways it doesn't take away from that they can work alongside each other I have two business mentors that help me with those kind of processes where that's not natural For me to think of naturally, they force me to think about that. But I can still use my heart and instinct to know the things that would work for our business and the things that won't. So even in the mix of you know sitting down with spreadsheet, looking at our numbers, being held accountable, looking where the projections are going, all those things does not remove from my heart, compassionate centered space of building this business. It doesn't. One does not have to. One can exist with the other very much have
0: a side okay now you then mentioned following your um, um discussion about your heart and your instinct in relation to your heart you mentioned about people that were hungry for success
1: yeah
0: and the reality of what you say is very true i saw an interview recently with a guy called nile rogers And for people that don't know who Nile Rodgers is, is that he is the guitarist, producer, composer, writer of so many hits, it's unbelievable. He's written, was it We Are a Family for Sister Sledge? He's written um, Let's Dance for David Bowie. Uh, He's produced Madonna. It's, It's a long list. Anything that you've listened to or danced to in the 70s, 80s, 90s, right up to Daft Punk, He is being involved in it, but he was doing an interview on YouTube with somebody. And he said the only person who he knew as soon as he met them would be a star was Madonna. He said she had so much drive, so much determination, so much ambition. He knew instantly this woman was going around telling everybody I'm going to be a star. And I think when you said that about people having that drive and ambition, I think there is a certain amount of work ethic that's involved.
1: Absolutely.
0: And people talk about Beyonce and, mm-hmm. you know, Beyoncé's this and Beyonce works this hard or whatever the case may be. I believe that to be true. I believe that she has a work ethic. Somebody like Dolly Parton, who's a country singer. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who Dolly Parton is. If you don't know who Dolly Parton is, you need to go back to Google University and find out who Dolly <laughs> Parton is because you are a wrong person, a bad person if you don't know who Dolly Parton is. <laughs> but Dolly Parton is known for her work ethic. Yeah. Same The same thing with Bob Marley. Bob Marley was the first person on the bus, the first person off the bus. Yeah. You know, and when people have that work ethic, You know, I always say to people, you know, about luck Mm -hmm. and luck is really important, but I don't believe that there is anything such as luck. Mm -hmm. I believe that preparation and opportunity equals luck. Yeah,
1: I've heard that too. And I agree.
0: You know, and so therefore, when you put that into perspective with the people that you're trying to work with, if you, know, if you as Nicholas saying, right, Clayton, you know, I want you to talk to TV AM at, you know, at six o'clock this morning and you need to speak to Radio 4 at, you know, at 10 o'clock and you need to be such and such and such. If a person's having a nap in the corner when all of this is going on. Then you can't really do your best work, can you?
1: Absolutely, and people have to realise in a PR agency our relationships are are, with, are multi-layered, so every single time a cl- we put a client in front of a journalist or some media outlet, and they don't respond respond in in a in an honest way, but respond in a a good way. So actually, let's just say for instance, they're on doing a a video podcast or um, an interview and they have no lights or, you know, it's messy in the background or the sound is not good. That reflects badly on us. And that means the journalist is hardly likely to trust us with the clients we can put in front of them because their time is precious, too. So all of it has to be considered when we're doing our work. So when we are personally for FPComs and the work I do is if we're working with clients that are kind of like lackluster, that doesn't work for us um, at all because our reputation is on the line here as well. And we like to think that actually every single successful person we put in front of a journalist or even like this, doing a podcast, is the door that keeps open for the next person that comes along. Because it's all built on relationships. That's what public relations is about. Public relationships. Indeed. So it's important.
0: Of course. The problem is, is that... The person that turns up on time that says, where would you like me to stand? Where would you like me to sit? Do you want me this way? Do you want me that way? As opposed to going, going. I want rose petals before I come in the room. And I want you to bring me bottles of m- mineral water set at, you know, 20 degrees. And, you know, if I don't have cushions that are plumped at a 45 degree angle, I will leave this establishment. You know, that type of behavior. Clayton,
1: that sounds like a personal trauma for you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know something
0: because I'm complete I'm the kind of guy that's just basically where do you want me to stand what do you want me to do how can I make you make me look good Mm
1: -hmm. yeah you
0: know so I I I look at people who do that You, you don't get the best out of people I'm the type of person if I go on a tv show I'm buying the makeup ladies flowers and thing make me look good make me make me look like Denzel make me look good you know
1: (laughs) it is so important and I I like what you said about turning up on time and being early there is a saying isn't there that if you turn up on time you're late and if you turn up 15 minutes early you're on time and and I think that is very true as well for PR it's a case of you have to be um prepared for all eventualities it could be anything from an editor to changing the story to um electricity going out or whatever the case may be. And if you're running late, you're an added burden to a problem. What you want to be there is on time. Allocate plenty of time for those kind of opportunities to come your way because you don't, again, know what opportunities could potentially happen if you're on time. What's the song? Every, um, the early bird catches the worm? Yeah. Whatever it catches, at least it's given itself the better opportunity. Even if it doesn't catch anything very early, it's giving itself the best opportunity and that's what you have to do. The cash flow show. Coming to you from the City of London. Real people, real business, real talk.
0: Now, Nicola, we're going to come on to a very contentious area. (laughs) 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 Because when you first started, and when I first started in business also, the concept of personal branding didn't really... It existed, but it didn't exist for people who were walking down the road. And in the last 20 years, we've all got smartphones. There's been the rise of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of these things where people are, who would normally be invisible in the world are now public facing. What's your take on personal branding?
1: Oh my gosh, that is such a deep question for someone like me anyway because it it doesn't just come from a work perspective it comes from a very personal perspective because i like to actually be very private i'm very much a private person i believe your work should speak for itself and so from a, a a personal point of view i'm all about the work behind the scenes that's me personally but i do recognize the power of personal branding to elevate something very quickly and to move people um to connect with you, they call it the no like and trust factor. Mm -hmm. And people say often that, you know, if they can't read about your your profile or um, see what you're doing as you as the person, they don't know if they can trust you. But what I would say is this. um, Now that I've – someone said to me the other day, you've got skin in the game. Now that I'm 20 years into doing what I'm doing and I look back at things like um, on social media – you know, they come up with uh, reminders of what you did last year or the year before, yeah. all those constant things. And I see that over a period of time, my track record has shown that I've been consistent across the board about ethical communications. What I do is never changed. Um, the systems, the way we may communicate may change, but it's never changed. I believe this t- personal branding is two, one of two things. Personal branding helps you to achieve that visibility very, very quickly. But my issue with very quick success is that it can disappear very quickly as well. Whereas I think slow and steady actually creates a long term impact. And when I think about what I'm trying to do, it doesn't surprise me when I reflect on it. And I have been reflecting on it for a while now. that actually, that's what I see and lean into because I am thinking about businesses that last 100 years or plus. My model is based very much on a very Japanese kind of Thought process, which is working behind the scenes and evolving behind the scenes, and not everyone has to see everything all the time. And the oldest companies are from Japan. So therefore, with that, well, the oldest, should I say, corporate companies are from Japan. So from that point of view, it doesn't surprise me that I have my thinking around personal branding. Um, I think it depends on the person, the personality, what they want to achieve, how quickly they want to achieve it. But with that quick um awareness be prepared for very harsh scrutiny very consistent scrutiny until you've proven yourself over a period of time and also be prepared to invest in it financially because um, we call it cancel culture today but that's a very real thing and when you put yourself out there to be seen quickly, people will look for things to bring you down very, very quickly. So it's a it's a it's a mixed bag, um, but I think it works very well for people that are looking for quick success and it can be highly effective on that end. But um, yeah, that's my, my thought on personal <laughs> branding.
0: You have to be very aware of what it is that you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to achieve it. Yeah. I think that personal branding, to me, a lot of people, we live in a world where people literally like to try to expose themselves. And I think that's where the difficulty can be quite harsh on people because, you know, you know, it's like a YouTube channel. Now this is what I had for breakfast and this is where I live and this is what I do. And then the five minutes later, they've got a stalker and they're wondering why. You know, <sighs> You've opened up way too much of your life. And a friend of mine said to me, oh, Clayton, why don't, you know, you know, you could get people to see a more friendlier side of you. And, and I'm thinking, well, they're not my friends. <laughs> I don't know these people. The Absolutely. fact that, and they don't know me. I don't expect to meet somebody and want to know the ins and outs of their life. That comes of building a relationship.
1: And Clayton, may I interject here and just say that Actually building a personal brand, a proper personal brand actually is a strategy in its own right. And so actually building a person, person, a proper personal brand is not overnight at all, at all. It's being aware, awareness can come overnight because anyone can put something up on social media and be seen immediately. But building a, a personal brand actually takes a proper strategy. It really does and and people seem to don't feel um realize that and like you said you know the stalkers, is an example but anything from looking into your flaws to um looking at things that you may have done in the past as we grow up are all things that you have to strategize about before you can put yourself out and become what is a true personal brand
0: yes and i think you're absolutely right i think a lot of people find that when they run for say public office I should say they're running mm-hmm. for public office and the their picture of them dancing topless or bottomless or whatever it is in Ibiza 5 years ago suddenly finds itself onto the internet yeah um and yeah it can it can ruin people's situations i mean <sighs> Personal branding is very, very, very difficult. But I think if you're selling a product, as you said, you need to have some money put aside for if it all goes horribly, horribly wrong, because you can be hot one minute and next minute your persona non grata
1: exactly and it's interesting what you said about in public office because if you know anyone that is running for public office so if you pay attention to this anyone that's really running for public office before they really hit that zeitgeist or that point where they are going to be put in a position of great um awareness so let's say the president of the united states or the prime minister or anything like that america's very good at this they put out a book because the aim is to control the narrative and actually highlight some of the flaws where they want people to focus their eyes on.
0: Right. Uh, and then
1: showcase, you know, what they stand for, but also make it look like an expose. And there is a lot of truth in those books, but it's yeah. not all the truth. It's controlled control the narrative.
0: Yes, of course. Of
1: course. That that's why sense. they do that. That's mm. why they do that. So you'll notice that Obama put out a book just before, um, Hillary Clinton put out a book just before. Yes. Like most people that are about to hit um, we've got actually in the UK, I know a few people that have just done that as well. Hmm. They're just about to run for mayor. They're just about to run for prime minister. And if they're really serious, a book comes out just before ah, that point very starts.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. I'm going to ask you another question. Mm-hmm. I saw something on your website about being PR ready. Yeah. <laughs> are you able to tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So these are some basic Basic, just everyone that's listening can use these as a tool. They don't need to go to the PR ready form that we have, but it's simple things. So one of the first things is, are you ready um, to do this? Are you mentally, emotionally, financially (laughs) ready to do this? If the answer is yes, you go on to the next one. Do you have high resolution images? So high resolution images are images that are of such high quality that actually if you blew them up to billboard size, you know, those massive billboards we see all over the place, um, they will still hold the quality of the image. If that answer is no, you're not really PR ready because the press actually picks up more on images than they would necessarily just the text. So when someone is sending a press release, if you want, to a publication for coverage, The big thing they will ask is, can you send me some high resolution images? Why is that? Because pictures speak a thousand words and that's what the press want, good images. And may I just put a caveat in here and say, your logo is not an image.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now come on Cashflow crew, or you (laughs) listeners out there, your logo is not your image. They want your lovely face.
1: (laughs) Exactly, they want you in situ, they want situations about your product so if you're a food company very nice curated food pictures if you are a consultant maybe you speak in a platform um, if you're working with team anything like that even if you're in a situation when you're talking in a room and you've got one of those wide shots with you speaking in front of with a white screen behind you whatever the case may be or on a stage clear crisp sharp images are essential um use a photographer your camera's They do okay for very small ones, but not for the scale that you want. And for people that are married or people that have done kind of like graduation images, that's the kind of quality Christmas that you need. And you need to hold them on a file, something like a Dropbox or something that where um, you can transfer via WeTransfer. Never send them via uh, uh, email because that will block up. The size of the images will block up the email box of the journalists or the public public. the publication and you don't want to do that. So that's the first thing. The second one is also, do you have bio, Um, a biography? So you need a short, a medium and a long-term one. If you don't, you need to have those created. A short one would be something like under a hundred words, approximately. A medium one would be about 500 words, 250 to 500 words and a long one, you can make it as long as you want. Why do you need those? You need a short one because when, for instance, something like this, You can send it very quickly. They can get an essence of who you are. At the bottom of a press release, you can put them in in the editor's notes. A medium one is exactly the same. You can adapt it according to the audience you're speaking to, but as a whole, it's something that gives it a bit more flesh to the bone of your short one. And the long one is for someone like, let's say you're doing a TED talk and you wanna send them over everything so they can give context of everything they're putting together for you for something like a TED talk that's that's why you need a short medium and long-term one so those are like your key essentials your basic essentials and then obviously you need if you're doing um, certain work the relevant social media and i want to highlight the word relevant because not all social media platforms are for everyone so the relevant social media platforms are they up to date are they um, ready for scrutiny if needs be and so Those are the essentials you need, just the basic essentials you need before you even start, even engage with a PR agency.
0: Blimey. (laughs) (laughs) I need to beautify myself. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. So what you've really illustrated is that people think that this PR thing is simple, like a lot of things, because when it's done well, it is simple. But the problem is, is actually being able to do, even just supplying that information. Most people that are listening, and I know you're all listening, thinking, yes, I'm ready for the big time. (laughs) You you know, you're not going to be in a position to have those things ready. I know I don't, I've got a couple of those things, but I know I don't have all of those things and they could come calling for me tomorrow. I don't know, you you know, this could be my big break. So-
1: Clayton. No, sorry, I was just going to say, it has happened. But actually, when we don't, when you, when when clients are not ready, which is why we were like people that are very success driven, because most of them end up being ready in the past. When they're not ready, things like this could happen. I've been driving along the motorway and a journalist will phone me up from The Guardian. A journalist did phone me up from The Guardian. And she's like, Nicola, we've been following the story. We want a story. Need you to send me the pictures right now." now. If we didn't have them ready, I couldn't pull over in the, the um, You know those um, Lay-bys lay by. lay Yeah And send them Or at least phone one of my team And say to them Send this to this journalist Because if they're not ready Then you will miss the opportunity Because journalists will move on Just like that At click of a finger They will move on Yeah they're ruthless they do not right? have time to- They do not have time to waste Yeah especially now. So, yeah, it's they're, important.
0: They're ruthless during this. They're ruthless, I tell you. <laughs> they, they don't care. <laughs> but it's, it's true. They want to store it and they want it now. And they want yeah. it in, because they, I suppose they're competing with other people as well. So they want to get to, you know, the newsstand or the or, or get on the Internet as quickly as possible. And and that leads to another question I want to ask. And this is, I'm asking for a friend, right? Um, okay. <laughs> I noticed that there are certain people that they get called all the time. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I noticed there are certain guys that, you know, for example, on, on morning television on ITV, mm-hmm. which is a station here in the UK, uh, an mm-hmm. independent television station, they get called. There's a woman, every time there's a divorce, a blonde woman, she she's always getting called she's always on that sofa yeah. um, uh, and there are certain people all the time they they are the ones that keep constantly constantly getting quoted constantly getting asked how do you get on that 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 um uh, carousel for want of a better expression
1: um it is multi-layered um but i'll give you some tips that will help anyone for your friends
0: yeah, yeah for my friend yeah
1: <laughs> so the first thing is just show consistency across anything that you're working on so if you're posting on linkedin on a regular basis and your audience because journalists look on all these different platforms right some consistent content is very very key for them to first of all to pick up on you and know they can rely on you because reliability is key again they're time poor journalists are very time poor so therefore they need to know that if they call someone, they can get response very, very quickly and efficiently for them. The other thing is once you start to get on their cycle and you demonstrate um, expertise and knowledge, you demonstrate an ability to connect with their audience, Therefore, what it means for them is that actually you're a good call for their viewers and their advertisers. So once you get on that cycle, they put you something, some of them call them on their um, their run, which means basically you're on, you're on their guest run list. Sometimes you'll be classified in their expert list and you'll be class- um, classified, classified rather on their platforms, whatever it may be, ITV, BBC, Channel 4, Forbes, Huffington Post, um, certain YouTube channels, whatever it is. Um, Yahoo, whatever it is, they will put you on the list. And so when there's a specific topic that comes up, they will um, call on you to be that expert speaker in that time, in that space. There's also something about visibility, finding you in a place where they are looking. So there are certain sites you need to be on um, if you really want to get onto their news cycle. Um, And that will be things like Twitter, ironically enough. Journalists love Twitter. They absolutely love it. It's a quick place where they can get response very quickly, find guests and people to speak on platforms very quickly. And then there's obviously something like sending out press releases constantly. And when I say constantly, for a beginner, maybe once a month, and um, for someone that's running a successful business every other week would be quite good to send out releases so that they can see that you are on top of the conversation. You're involved in the conversation and then therefore they can call on you and say, OK, would you be willing to speak on a certain thing? Um, and those simple tips help you to come on their news cycle. And once you start on one or two, you, you can then potentially roll out to others. You're a good guest for other platforms as an expert. Um, some of them like to hold um, a guest speaker on one platform or two platforms. But, you know, things like if you want to become a TED speaker, for instance, not TEDx, a TED speaker, for instance, or something like that, then they will start to see you and increase that visibility. You increase your visibility that way.
0: Excellent. That's brilliant.
1: I hope
0: your friend finds that helpful. I'm sure that my friend will find that very helpful. Thank you for that. (laughs) Now, moving forward, a lot of people, in order to increase their PR and their publicity and part of their marketing, to be honest with you, use YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It depends on your, your mode of communication because YouTube channels um like podcasts, um, like the written words. It's just a channel. It it really does depend on your your preferred mode of communication. I uh, there's some clients I work with that would be great. There's some clients we work with actually that we are happy to put on TV, happy to put on YouTube happy to put on any visual platform but there's others that are more audible and we lean into their strengths um youtube is very good as a search engine to be able to find people and so i think that is really really helpful on certain topics but again i would say you lean into the strengths of the individual that you are or the person that you are when it comes to pr and if visual content is your kind of thing um and lean into that. And even you say YouTube, we know that Instagram has gone very much about um, video content, less, more static images. And so it is going to be um, about people that want to lean into that space more and, and, and build from that platform. But it's just a tool at the end. Of I see these always just t- tools, TikToks, Snapchat. They're all just tools.
0: We can't talk about instagram and youtube without talking about influencer culture
1: wow (laughs) now the question
0: (laughs) that i would ask is are influencers overrated con people or are they the part of modern marketing
1: wow well i've never heard that (laughs) referred to as (laughs) <laughs> I've caught before before I have to
0: confess um, <laughs> um, listen the- i'm 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 pretty br- brutal on this on, on this thing. No. Not, i'm not I'm not joe rogan brutal but um <laughs> I think the the reason why is because i I see a lot of influencers and I see the effect that they have, especially on Instagram and especially on youtube, so there is a philosophy there that people do think that these people are number one overrated because people are taking advice from people that don't know anything about what they're talking about, but they just look Mm -hmm. good or they got a nice, nice lights in the background, Mm -hmm. or con people who are just basically trying to sell their courses and, and effectively have got providing no real value. So all of these people are involved in a looser way on the periphery of PR. So I wanted to get your feel.
1: Feel. No, 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 absolutely. And, um, I would, I would say my thing about when we look at all spaces around PR and marketing and even advertising, the tools we use, is don't get a blind spot when it comes to PR in regards to do your research, <laughs> like literally just research the people that you're engaging with. We spend a lot of time. There's no content creator. We call them content creators regardless of the platform. What we call it influencer that we do not do our research on to know if they are aligned with our values aligned with who we are we will never I mean it's very I haven't so far worked with a content creator or influencer who has turned around and done something that I have not expected as yet and you know knock wood it won't happen but we you have to do your due diligence on the people that you're connecting with even the publications you are I feel they are a very strong part of the marketing mix out there they can amplify a voice they build an audience an audience that will trust them they're willing to be the face of of certain um, products and services and that's absolutely fine they may even do their own online course but the truth of the matter is they are still just people that are just trying to build wealth for themselves and you have to line yourself as a business owner with the right ones for your business so we do certain checks before we engage with any content creator we look at things like simple things like consistency the quality of their work do their values align how do they respond to people that comment about their content if they respond very negatively, I have to question whether these kind of people that I want to be working with or our clients want to be working with. So all of these factors and many more come into play before you even engage with them. So I understand the, 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 the caution around working with them, but the truth of the matter is, They, like YouTube or any other platform, are just a tool for your communication. And you have to look at them in that light. And the individual that you're working with behind those individual platforms, you have to do your research on them, interview them, speak to them before you engage with them. Because that's your business you're talking about. And if you have very strong values or very l- strong leaning in a specific way and you do not do your research, you can come a cropper, as my grandma would say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and good advice from your grandmother. Very good advice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so do your research. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Now we're going to go on to a, a slightly... Um, um, more lighthearted um section of our uh, show where we mm-hmm. try to sort of ask questions that a little bit more about you that people can get a feel for who you are without revealing too much so this cool. is a section that we call what are you like and it's supposed to be okay. said in a kind of cockney accent but um uh, i don't want to <laughs> get it wrong <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was looking forward to this. I have listened to your shows before
0: and I'm looking forward to this section. This, this is a good section. I know I that people do like it. So
1: you you've
0: got some good choices here. So mm-hmm. we, I'm going to go, I'm going to treat your favourite book and favourite business book differently. So mm-hmm. you've chosen a couple of books in your favourite books. You've chosen the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the question I would ask, there, is your faith very important to you?
1: so i like the bible yes my faith is very important to me um but i like the bible because i get bored very very quickly okay <laughs> and it's got a lot of different stories in there so and i like so i just want to just caveat this and say my way of living is like picking from a starter menu for my main course okay I like little little things in lots of different ways for me to enjoy life. And I think the Bible really leans into that kind of thinking for me. It's like loads of stories in one book. And that's what I like about the Bible.
0: Okay, excellent. So you say that you're currently reading Get Rich or Lie Trying by Simeon Brown. Tell me about
1: that. Now, this leans into your last question about content creation. (laughs)
0: Oh dear. You know something? It should be to cut it should be with me and content creators, it should be con C O N dash tent creators. That's just <laughs> I love it. I love it. I tell voice. you, I'm going to have content creators chasing after me. Yeah, you. you will. If you need
1: a PR agency, I'm like...
0: You know. I, I might be calling you sooner rather than later, I'm telling you. You're going to be... A...
1: Crisis management. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have you on speed to Nicolette and Jason, me. they got the pitchforks. they got the torches. I'm going to, I'm going to be cancelled. And when I come on, they'll say, yeah, good.
1: <laughs> no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. they are so, love much.
0: So, <laughs> g- Get Rich, rich or, or Lie.
1: lie trying. Yeah, Simeon Brown. Um, yeah, it's an amazing book, um, Clayton. A really, really cool book. I'm working my way through it. It's not a hard read, to be totally honest with you. It's just time that's making me take my time to read through it. But it's about actually um, the way that um, brands, big brands, have used specifically black content creators as well to um, uplift the individual businesses so you know like um oh gosh there's a couple of fashion brands Michael Jordan, Jordan. not Jordan, but more um mis- misguided I think it is misguided fashion brands and things like that how they've utilized influencers to help build a brand and how also culture is leaning into black content creators to build their platforms um but then not paying them fairly Um, and what that looks like. So it's a real mix of understanding the content creator space and how people are being um, taken advantage of of, on both sides of the scale, right? So as a business owner, but also as um, content creators. It's a really interesting read, really, really highly recommend it.
0: Black content creators, especially Mm-hmm. They are picked because they are with it and happening and they know what the trends are and so on and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm. But as
0: you said, when they find out what they're getting paid mm-hmm. in compared to people from other um, uh, ethnicities or demographics, racial demographics, yeah. they are not getting exactly the same remuneration for the work not that they're all. putting in, which is no. fascinating.
1: Not at all. And I actually work with um, a couple of networks on on this very, very point um, with regard to equity, equality in the space and and helping um, black content creators understand their value and how to get the most um, for the work they're doing effectively. I
0: think that many black businesses, if I'm honest, don't seem to be aware of what they are worth. Mm. Sometimes it can be ridiculously excessive and unrealistic, but most Mm -hmm. times it's undervaluing. Yeah. And we've all done it. I've done it. When we started our business, we were, you know, I didn't have a clue really what Mm. the market was. And I started off trying to undercut the market, knowing, realizing, (laughs) well, um, (laughs) do you mean this is what I thought that business was? Not realizing that at the end of the day, the amount of information that we have now is absolutely amazing. And yeah. I, I, I say this time and time again, if you want to start a business in the 21st century, it is the easiest thing to do.
1: Yeah. Easiest I, thing to do. And I heard you mention on a previous, I know this is our quickfire fun bit, but I just want to say I heard you mention on one previous episode about like when you started your company and sending it off to the company's house and then getting the certificate back. And I don't know if you got the wax stamp as well. I got the wax stamp. That's like how old... <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I think I might have the wax stamp on, on the foot on my first company. Yeah. Now, yes. now at the end of the day, they just give you a PDF and say, go on, you get on your bike. <laughs> no,
1: right. <laughs> 24 hours in, you said, and it was true. 24 yeah. hours and you can be up and running. It's absolutely true absolutely true it's
0: amazing absolutely amazing and the fact is now as i said that now we see things completely differently we see mm-hmm. that you know starting a business getting a company getting everything up and running you know there is no value in being the reason why you got the wax stamp because that was like some charles dickens business <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i am the i am the director of this company <laughs> you know <laughs> that kind of <laughs> people listen to this vicky this guy's Go running a comedy <laughs> show <laughs> but it's it was a serious serious thing being a d- company director and company's house and all of these institutions and whatever now man yeah. you just get a pdf next <laughs> yeah <laughs> like,
1: i know and people used to frame their certificates yes yeah like yeah, it was yeah, like it. it was a degree <laughs> yeah 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 i remember
0: but they were doing it because it was supposed to be coming back to your original point at the top of this discussion about longevity yeah. And it was the idea that you were going to be around for 100 years now that they know statistically, if you're around in five years, you've done incredibly well. Right. If you're around in a year, you've done well. <laughs> you know, you're doing well. Five years, 10 years. you know. To yeah. so have a business going for 20 years and we're both in the same position. Yeah. People are looking at it and go, yeah, you know, we are not worthy. Respect. They give you big respect. <laughs> because to be able to do that, it's like... You've got to fight off so many demons. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> but in terms of companies, we, we've got to move on to your business choice, mm-hmm. which is losing my virginity, Richard Branson. Oh, Sir so yeah. Richard Branson. Yeah. My dad's got some points to make about his airline, but um, I won't take on that. Um, <laughs> my dad's not happy with you, Sir Richard. I'm um, sure. So, um, uh, yeah yeah we're not going to talk about it but anyway oh, <laughs> yeah yeah my dad's not happy he's not happy like <laughs> behaviour. he says he's gone down he's, he's he's calling you some names sir richard but I'm not gonna use it online. <laughs> anyway basically the master self-publicist if there's one person i think that embodies the idea of almost guerrilla like pr and marketing mm. and jumping out of planes and cuddling um air hostesses um who uh-huh. probably might not want to be cuddled um um uh yeah it's Sir Richard Branson how do you d- yeah I've never read this book um so you'll have to tell me what your findings are
1: so Losing My Virginity was the first business book I ever read and I just fell in love with it and I've got it there and it really is like torn up and my jest is raggedy because I absolutely love the book and it just speaks about his journey and the gumption he had. So, there were certain things that happened when, um, talk about PR opportunities when he started uh, out his airline and British Airways had problems. He quickly managed to get a blimp up and say, BA can't get it up. Mm. Um, and that was really like a funny tongue-in-cheek. Um, way of raising the profile Because he had a lot of financial issues In regards to getting okay, the airline off the ground um, But I've always I, I know Dad won't like this But I've always loved the Virgin brand Always loved it I used to work in Virgin Records On Tottenham Court Road, Oxford Street
0: Wow
1: Yeah, I used to work in there loved, this, loved it
0: I've always wanted to work in a record shop you know. Never ever managed to get around to it Always my dream job Is working in a record shop
1: Clayton, it was a buzz. It was an absolute buzz, and it was one of the best jobs I've had. Two jobs that I've absolutely loved. First one was with Virgin Records. The second one was with JD Sports. Loved them both. I thoroughly enjoyed working there. But the buzz of working in that store was amazing. Um, and then he spoke about like um, his journey into dealing with finance issues when the bank came and withdrew his funding. I mean, you know, I I don't want to alienate any of the listeners. But he was uh, a, a white male in a white male world, and he was able to negotiate and do what he's got to do. So I'm not saying that his story is there to inspire us, and if he can do it, we all can do it. But it just lit a fire in me in regards to just the gumption he had, just to keep doing and building and building. And I've worked on a few of his projects throughout life. So I've worked on Virgin Galactic, for instance, the design ends of that with the agency. So that's his space programme. I've also worked on him, like I said, with the record store as well. And yeah, just on different projects. I really, I really am a, a fan of the brand as well. So Excellent. maybe to book, but yeah. Sorry, Dad. <laughs>
0: Dad, don't worry, babe. I've got to sort it out. I'm going to sort it out. Don't worry, Dad. I'll sort this. <laughs> um, so now we get on to your favourite album, album or single. And you've uh-huh. chosen as a single... Addictive Love by BB and CC Winans. Gospel superstars, right? Yeah. (laughs) Any reason why that particular song?
1: So it was, I used to be, I used to go raving in dawson the place called Roseberries in dawson and I used to love. And when that song came on, I didn't realize it was a gospel song.
0: (laughs) Most modern gospel, most modern gospel (laughs) songs don't sound anything like old school gospel songs. They just sound like R and B records. That's what they sell. They like.
1: did, and it absolutely did. But I heard actually BB um, do an interview the other day, and he said that Stevie Wonder said to him that this was going to be the song they should release first earlier on and then that made sense to me because my favorite artist is Stevie Wonder so I'm like oh okay so that would make sense why I've resonated so much the song I love the lyrics I play it consistently it's a real strong for me a really good uplifting song but also it's got like that real good R&B beat that I love Mm -hmm. love 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 so yes okay
0: and you also mentioned as an album you mentioned the Boys in the Hood soundtrack
1: Yes. So, <laughs> so, for people that see me, they were like, Boys in the Hood. You That's, don't look is, like a boy. It's with...
0: actually a great album, actually.
1: It's... It is an amazing album. But the song that um, I really like is not on the soundtrack, okay. which is why I love the album so much because I'm like, I went out to buy the song. So, it's the one where Lawrence Fishburne ben, is looking at Trey his son and he's just talking about things are going to get easier as time goes on that track that I can't remember I'm not going to sing it for your listener trust me (laughs) but it was that track I was looking for and it wasn't on the album but as a whole I really like the body of work of that that soundtrack so okay that's that's the one I yeah that's what I like so
0: for your favorite film you've chosen Love Jones
1: my gosh yes
0: now Love Jones (laughs) is from must be from the early 90s must it
1: I'm sure it's <laughs> right.
0: No, no, th- this is good because this is where I've—I think I've got the film somewhere on DVD or something. Mm-hmm. But also, as well, Love Jones has got an amazing soundtrack.
1: Yes.
0: Because I've got—I've got the soundtrack to that. Oh, it was given to me as a gift. It's an mm-hmm. amazing soundtrack. Um, and I don't know if you've seen a film recently called The Photograph
1: with Issa Rae. Yes. Yes.
0: Now, for those who haven't seen that film, it's a film, I think it was um, Amazon Prime I saw it on. And it's the uh, a photograph, Issa Rae and Lakeith Washington, or Lakeith mm-hmm. Stanfield, I think it is. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield. And which is a very, it's, it's a romantic sort of drama, slight comedy, but mm-hmm. it actually is a really good film. One of the few films in that kind of genre that I've enjoyed for a long time. However, yeah. again, the soundtrack isn't available, the, all the songs that are played in the, in the movie are not played as a soundtrack. But yeah. I managed to go online and found out a list of all the songs were, and you can then create that into a, um, uh, a playlist. playlist, if you like, yeah. as, 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 the, as the young kids are doing these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my day, mate, it was a mixtape, and you had to sit down and press pause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah right click the button yeah click the button and
0: <laughs> have to, to make sure you time it just as well and if you had 30 seconds left or whatever that was okay it wasn't so yeah, bad yeah. but if it's two minutes you had to find a two minute track and find it <laughs> Yeah. If, if you're a professional mixtaper, <clears throat> but anyway, I want to move away from that. I want to move away from that. Those were the old days. So yeah, in I mean, modern times, you can get the um, um, the soundtrack to that, and they can create a playlist, whatever. Uh-huh. But that's a great playlist as well for for that film. So I would recommend if you like Love Jones, you like the photograph. I think
1: absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. You love that film. <laughs> it's 1997. It came out
0: what 1997
1: what the film oh oh love jones Jones. okay right yeah
0: we're coming towards the end of our conversation here so this is the point at which we try and sort of work out what's going to be happening for you in the future at fp comms what's the next 12 months looking like for you
1: so um for the next 12 months it's going to be busy hands on deck we're we're in a stage of really growing and expanding the business Um, and like I mentioned I've got two business mentors which I brought on board over the last two years which um, has been a game changer from us for for me personally and for the business as well Um, so that means that we are working towards and actually getting on track um for building a solid foundation so that it can last for 100 years or more god within and that for us is going to be very very important so that's kind of like the focus of the business at the moment the team is growing as well which is really really good i've got a really solid beautiful wonderful team of people that work as part of fp and um yeah, I feel eternally blessed that, you know, I literally can do what I have to do my role in the business. So not just working in the business, but now being able to allocate more and more time working on the business. And for me, that is extremely gonna to have to be extremely important over the next 12 to 18 months.
0: Indeed. So we've heard a lot about FPComs today. Now, where can people find you on the internet?
1: OK, so for making it really, really easy, there's two things you can do. You can just type in FPCOMS, F-P-C-O-M-M-S, and everything about us will come up. And usually you'll see the tagline marketing we love. So that will differentiate anybody else from us. But if you are on the socials, just type in on Instagram, just type in FPCOMS. And on there, you'll always find a Linktree link, um, which will give you directions to any platform you prefer or any way you can get in touch with us.
0: Excellent. So one thing I'm going to close off with, which is not normally my style, is there a PR story that you wished you'd worked
1: on? Do you know the one that I most recently wish I worked on? Go for Is it. the Will Smith and Chris Rock one. <laughs> oh. I really, really, really want to work on both sides of the table for that one. Like, have a team on both sides of the table for that one. I think it is... It's a game changer of a PR opportunity. Really is. Legs and meat. I really want to work on both sides.
0: (laughs) No, listen, this is an easy one. Chris, he just got to keep making money and just keep back and relax. He's got the upper hand in terms of that. He's done nothing necessarily wrong. So he's going to be fine. Um, Will just needs to divorce Jada and that's it. He's going to lose half his money. So just accept the fact and. That's it. That's the PR sorted.
1: <laughs> so this is exactly why I want to work on both sides because the argument this the the, the PR around it is so polarizing for men and women. It is very very different. It's, it's going to I'm looking forward to seeing this out, out, unfold over the next 2 to 3 years. Really am. I think it's going to be amazing.
0: It is interesting. I mean, as I said, it's <sighs> There's a lot more to it, this than meets the eye. And it's yes. not about Will slapping Chris. No. It's not about that at all. There's lots of problems that Will Smith has got. From yeah. my, this is my just my perspective. I'm doing my YouTube commentary without being <laughs> on YouTube. Um, I just think that to a certain extent that Will Smith wasn't slapping Chris Rock. He was slapping a lot of people he was very angry at. Yeah, Because to a certain extent when we talk about influences of the power of the YouTube, I think the YouTube situation in relation to Chris, not Chris Rock, Will being on Red Table Talk, mm-hmm. I think that caused a major, major problem. And I think people didn't really understand what a major problem that was. Um, and in doing so, I think it, 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 certain things have become very embarrassing for Mr. Smith. Certain things have become very embarrassing for him. And the fact is, at, the, at that particular point where he should have just let stuff slide, he created a situation now at the end of the day, he's drawn so much focus and attention to himself that it's just got ridiculous. Um, And literally, the, the point at which he's worked incredibly hard to be at the height of his career, people are talking about almost cancelling him.
1: Yeah, I think he will be I think both of them with the right navigation and 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 hopefully mental health they will be fine. Mm. Um but I think that you are right about one thing I would definitely say Clayton is that um it's far deeper than even those two men. Oh, It's, it's got nothing far, to do with
0: those two people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's got... far it's far deeper than that. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to say this on a platform that people can hear and hopefully <laughs> Take, take it here and give me a call,
0: please. <laughs> now, listen, this is what I'm saying to you people who are involved in PR and media. Nicola Millington, FP Comes, she's the lady. She can handle your situation with sensitivity, empathy and kindness. And I suggest you look her up, forthwith.
1: Thank you so much, Clayton. This has been a pleasure, absolute and joy.
0: I've enjoyed it immensely. And I, I hope that, obviously, going forward, that you... And the business grows exponentially and you start to see the benefits of where everything in the world is PR these days. And um, it doesn't matter what you do. if you, Even if you go and buy a box of oranges, there's PR attached to it somewhere. <laughs> um, and, you know, I can't stop asking you questions because I've got another question and one no, more before I, I end. Boris Johnson has just got onto TikTok <laughs> What is your feelings oh, about that? Is this going to, because we, we, we've we've seen, you know, no, okay, I'm I'm going to ask the question again. Uh, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak have all been trying to use social media in order to increase their authenticity, culminating with um, Boris Johnson being on TikTok yesterday. What are your thoughts?
1: This reminds me, I haven't seen it. And I don't need to. But this reminds me of him on the zipliner. And I (laughs) got stuck in the middle of the year, just hanging, just out there looking ridiculous. Um, There is a saying amongst young black culture, stay in your lane, please. Just stay in your lane. This is not authentically who you guys are. It will come across contrite. And yeah, you're not going to get the, I don't know what you're looking for, actually. I don't know what the they're looking for so whatever it is they're looking for they're not going to get that's
0: what i say nicola millington fp comms thank you ever so much for joining us on the cash flow show everybody that's been listening i hope you've enjoyed the words and the wisdom that nicola's imparted and until next time we're going to play out we've come to the end of the cash flow show for today but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge wisdom and insight if you loved what you've heard on this week's episode please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a 5 star review and feedback as it really does help whilst you're there listen to some of our other episodes which you are bound to enjoy we want to make this the go to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things be sure to join us next time for real people real business real talk